Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the six things or the six problems that can occur when investing in new builds. Now, this is really interesting because at, at Opus Partners, we typically recommend only new builds unless we get a really good deal on existing properties. And that's for a number of reasons, some of which if you've been listening to the show, you'll you'll already know. But we also know that new builds aren't necessarily going to be right for, for every investor. Uh, and if you're Googling around and doing your research and looking at, should I invest in new builds or or not, um, you're probably going to come across to across varying opinions. So what we want to do in this episode is talk about the six most common uh, most common problems that arise with objections. new builds or objections, uh, and then just walk you through each of them. And the goal is that by the end of this episode, you'll be able to determine for yourself whether new builds fit into your investment approach or not. So let's Let's go through these. Um, one that I, a common one that I often hear is is the idea that if you invest in a brand new property, you're going to overpay for it. That a developer is going to set a really high price, and that you're going to pay more for that property than what it is actually worth. And Andrew, how do we get around to ensure that that people don't do that? So one of the steps in our process Ed, is that we encourage all clients to get a valuation on properties that they're going to buy. Now, um, often people don't realise that you can get a valuation even if a property doesn't exist today. So if you've got a set of plans and you've got a piece of dirt that you're going to be building on um, or, or a developer is going to be and you're going to be buying it at the end as a complete package, you can still get that valued. So someone can look at what the comparable sales in the area are. So they can look at the land, look at the house and say, right, a three-bedroom house on this site in Parnell, because we we're just talking about Parnell, um, would be $850,000 if it was there today. Now, you might spend $1,000 on that valuation, but I just think that that's a great insurance policy to make sure that you are getting a fair market price at the start, um, because that way, you, you know, you might get growth in the future anyway. But by making sure that you've got a fair price at the start, you're not starting on the back foot, you're not paying more. Um, I guess we've got the added benefit of we're not one client, we represent thousands of clients and so therefore we get group purchasing power. So by using someone like us, uh, or us, um, phone now, um, you, you get the added benefit of um, of purchasing power, like a cooperative. So you've got lots of people um, purchasing similar investments and the, therefore you get a better deal. And we're talking here directly about a registered valuation. So somebody who has got a degree in this, who has studied the market, who looks at the comparables and can do this and can give you a valuation on the specific property. Not a real estate agent. Yes, not a real estate agent and not your brother or your cousin or your <laughs> dog or whatever it happens to be. So you can combat overpaying by getting a registered valuation. And actually just on that um, note, I would just say builds can be quite tricky because a building company can um, be a little bit deceitful sometimes because they can advertise a package for less than what it will actually cost. And what I mean by that is they could advertise online a property for 500000 but that's just the land and the build if you make them progressive payments. And so, of course, there's other costs like interest if you're if they're going to fund that. There's other costs like landscaping, um, the driveway, the fences, the curtains, all those other things that might not be included in the overall price. So it's really important you take a complete package and you take that 
to your valuer. It's, it's a bit like the equivalent of if I advertise a job and it's going to pay $60,000, but included in that is your desk, your computer, your KiwiSaver, those sorts of things which you would expect to be included anyway. It's negotiating his pay rise, obviously. <laughs> the, next, uh, the, the next one we want to go through, the next potential problem is lower yields. So we know that when you're going to go buy a new property, you're probably going to pay a, a little bit of a premium for that for the, on, in terms of the purchase price for that property because it is brand new, because the chattels are brand new. Uh, so because of that, if you go out, you may get a slightly lower yield. It might be you know, 10, uh, 10 or $20 difference uh, with a bra- with an existing property. But Andrew, what would you what would we usually say around this? Um, so I think that the thing to remember is that it's all about what it actually costs you from a week to week basis and that's you know more reflective of a net yield. And so with a brand new property, Generally speaking, the things that would differ from an old property is you'll have lower maintenance. You've got a much more sought-after home that even if it's the same rent as an older property, you're more likely to have people that come in and they want to stay there longer, Um, they attract a higher calibre of person, and there's less vacancy. They probably will pay a slightly higher rent as well, but let's just say all things were equal and it was the same rent. The other thing is there's lower maintenance. So things like deferred maintenance can cripple an investor. Replacing a roof can really affect that bottom line to an extent where it makes it um, just unaffordable, but you've bought that higher, pro- um, the 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 older house and the yields look better to begin with but you've really got to look into things like maintenance and long-term maintenance like deferred maintenance as well which I know we've spoken about in the past so those kind of things all of a sudden your net yield you'll find a very similar um, and sometimes even better with a newer property. And this is actually, you know, in in Econ 101, we're always taught and we talk about equilibrium. So instead of saying, hey, existing properties have a higher gross yield, so I should go for that, think, well, why is it that an existing property has a higher gross yield? Because it's got higher expenses. When you look at the net yield, uh, it it tends to work out roughly the same. Because although you might have slightly higher interest payments on a brand new property, uh, because it's got a slightly higher purchase price, your other expenses like maintenance are going to be much lower on a week-to-week basis. And of course, with a new property, often you've got warranties and things like this. With an old property, you don't have any of that stuff, and so it can be maybe a little bit more risky. So I guess sometimes you sacrifice a lot of that risk um, by going new, and so therefore you're willing to actually accept a different yield, even if it was that you you know, you know might be putting in a little bit more money, which I don't see happen very often, but I just think that's something to consider. Now let's talk about the fact that frequently if you're going to invest in a development, you may have multiple properties coming onto the market at the same time. So if you've got multiple properties of the same kind of type in the same location coming on the market at the same time, if investors have invested in this development, then you may have a bit of competition in the rental market. Yeah, so I think that that's, this is true for, say, big apartment complexes and things like this. Um, you know, you don't want to be suddenly competing with 50 other investors and then get into a bidding war and, and reduce your rent so much that, you know, you, you're sacrificing $100 a week rent just to get a tenant in there because the guy down the, the down the way did. Um, I think the thing to remember here is often you might want to look at something where there might be staged releases. So certainly in subdivisions, you'll have different stages um, and you'll have properties finishing at different different points within that stage as well. In, a, in apartment complexes, again, they might start with one stage 
go on to the next and the next. Uh, and but also you've got you've got time to prepare. So if something's twelve months out, you've got twelve months to find the first tenant. Obviously, you're not advertising 12 months out for that, but you know maybe six weeks before that property is complete, you have your property manager get onto it. So that, yeah, so that you've got a tenant straight away. Sorry, I thought you finished. And number four of six is that there's no instant equity. So if you, so this is in terms of of being able to do renovations. Obviously, if you go out and purchase a brand new property, then you're not going to be able to do landscaping to it. You're not going to be necessarily going to be able to add on a fourth bedroom or or repaint the property in order to in order to increase its value because it's already been done. Uh, so so what do we typically say about this? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. So people sometimes think that they can buy under market value, which is just bollocks really. I mean, if you go out to the market and you buy something through um, a major real estate firm like Harcourts or something like that, that's gone to the market. Even if the GV says one price and your valuer says one price, but you paid 50 grand less, that's imaginary. Um, the value is the value someone's willing to pay. And if someone was willing to pay more, they would have done that. So the only time you can add value is if you actually get your, roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty and you and you do some tarting up or something like that. With a new property, you can't do that. However, what you can do is you can secure today's value and settle it in 12 months' time. So you get 12 months' growth without having to actually buy the property. So um, often... When I'm working with new investors, they might say, oh, well, the downside you know, is I can't get started now. Well, that's fine. If you lock in today's price, uh, and this was finished in 20 years' time, you'd buy 10 of them. Because, of course, in 20 years' time, they would have all doubled in value or tripled or you know, gone up in value. You'd sell them all then. You'd never have to even worry about a tenant and you've made money. We often forget when it's a smaller length of time, like a year, that you still get that market increase and you haven't had to actually part with any money at that stage. The only, uh, just to add to that as well, Andrew, is the only place where I can see this would be a really genuine concern is if there were was an investment couple who were really, or well, it doesn't have to be a couple, actually, it could be a single, it could be anybody, um, but, but are really hot on renovation and actively getting in there, getting their hands dirty, painting some things. Now, that might be right for some investors, but I know that uh, just from the listenership of, of, of this podcast, generally it's people who want to get in, get access to the property market, but don't necessarily want to be stripping wallpaper at 2am on a, on, a, on a Sunday morning sort of thing. Because it's terrible. <laughs> now, let's talk about that you can't see it now. So obviously, if you're investing in a property off the plans, you can't go and see it now. You can't just drive down the street and see it because it's off the plans. So, so what are you usually talk about here so actually this um I'll, I'll make a confession I'm not very good at reading plans either like re- reading plans and visualizing what something's going to be like when it's finished is quite a challenge for me uh you know all I really care about is is the numbers um so I might look at something and say oh yeah that makes some sort of sense but you can't really visualize something uh, so my advice there is if you are buying off plans, um, go and look at something that is finished that's similar, uh, which is really easy to do if you're buying from a building company that's been around for a while or have done this. Get a get a, a, a feeling of what they've done that's completed and what actually their standard is like because that will help you to um, relate to what it is that you're buying. But also you are investing. This is an investment and it doesn't actually matter so much about the look and feel. You want to know that the quality is good. But other than that, it's about numbers. 
And then, of course, number six, which we've already addressed, is you can't necessarily get started now. But uh, what what people often think about can't get started now is I can't have a tenant in there now. But actually, the ideal situation is, Best that, investment ever. <laughs> is that you don't have a tenant in there because you've got got no worries and you only have to pay interest costs on the on the deposit that you've you've got. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Just going back to that point before, uh, just because it's not there today doesn't mean you're not in the market. If you've got a property on hold, if you've put a deposit down on something you're in the market uh, and it doesn't matter if it takes 12 months 18 months 24 months the price is still going to go up because the market goes up uh, and you've secured that and so clients um I don't know if clients have made uh, you know $100,000, $150,000 during the completion of a build and they haven't had to pay anything other than a deposit which they put in an interest-bearing trust account and they're, you know, they're paying a little bit of interest. It doesn't really matter. And so I guess what we're saying here is that, look, you know, here are six things that can sometimes go wrong or six things you need to be aware of when investing in new builds. You want to make sure you're not overpaying for it and you can you can make sure that's the case by getting a valuation. Um, there may be a lower, uh, a lower gross yield, but we can get around that by having a, a comparable net yield. Um, you know, be aware that of, of the lack of, um, that you can't go in and renovate it, but also be aware that if you're not the sort of investor who's going to go in and renovate, then that doesn't really matter. And uh, ways to just kind of get around that idea or to rethink the, the idea of not being able to get started now and not being able to see it. But hey, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more and more people. And if you've been listening to the show for the while, you're thinking, "Hey, I could, I could become a, you know, can I become a first-time property investor?" Then why not check out our property investor quiz? This seven-question quiz will give you a yes, no, or maybe answer as to whether you are able to get started as a property investor right now and it will even give you a full report a rundown with your numbers as to whether you're able to get started and some recommendations if you're not quite there yet thanks for listening to the property academy podcast i'm your host ed mcknight and i'm andrew nickel and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the new zealand property market until next time